around that. Okay, we're live. Intro playing in three, two. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I'm Christian Jack. Today we will recap arguably the most important win and maybe most important loss in Canadian soccer history as we talk the Women's Olympics and the Men's Gold Cup. Plus we recap the opening four games of the season back in home markets in the Canadian Premier League. The results in the CPL this past weekend were as follows. York United nil, Forge one. Mobabuli's early goal ruined the homecoming uh, for York United and their rebrand. Pacific two, Cavalry nil. Marco Bustos and Johnny Dos Santos with the goals there. FC Edmonton three, Valor one. Ongaro and Wachewski both score, as did Amir Didic from a corner. Uh, Becero with a late strike deflected. And Halifax Wanderers two, Atletico Ottawa one. Jean Morelli's brace made Made sure that they came from behind after Ryan Telfer's header again from a corner. I'd put the visitors ahead here with my usual team as ever. Great to be with you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, when Canada got given a penalty shortly after 5.30 a.m. Eastern on Monday morning, who did you think was going to take it, Benedict Rhodes? Charlie. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I, I, when I kind of saw the, the kick... Uh, given I wasn't actually confident that it was going to be Sinclair, which I think right. everybody was, and I wasn't necessarily surprised to see to see her give it away, and maybe Jesse Fleming was the most obvious option, considering you know Janine Becky missed one earlier in the tournament. Well, very good, uh, Marty. What about you? I think I was hallucinating at that point. I thought my cat was going to take it. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I thought. I, I mean, I thought. I thought Sinclair. I still thought Sinclair. I thought it made sense. I thought in the moment, you know, how they were playing. But it obviously yeah. worked out there. I thought Sinclair as well. Brady? Yeah. No, I was on Sinclair too. She did go off injured like 10 minutes later. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But uh, no questions about the penalty from Jesse anyways. Benedict, were you surprised Jesse Fleming stepped up? Uh, like Charlie, I wasn't surprised that it wasn't Sinclair. But I thought it was maybe Ashley Lawrence would have taken it. She's been really good in this tournament and took a penalty against Brazil. Good shout as well. Very good mm -hmm. shout. But it was an unbelievable victory. They have changed the color, as we said. Benedict, your report and your review is on uh, campiel.ca. Uh, great analysis there. Let's start with you. Uh, your overall observations of this game and pulling it off for the Canadian women. Yeah, before we get into that, I do have something here. One second. I've picked up myself Wait, what? Stephanie Labe headband. <laughs> 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 that is tremendous. Okay, yeah, we're after this episode. Um, I'm so the same hair as her too. On. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, better beard though. Um, performance starts there. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Stephanie Labe uh, was impressive in that again. She's the reason they were in this game in the first place after the heroics against Brazil, and she stepped up again today. Uh, not today, Monday. Um, Top, top to bottom, everyone showed up, I think, for Canada. There, no one had a poor performance, I don't think. Um, and as, as we're going to get into, Bev Priestman said, big players step up in big moments, and, and Jesse Fleming did that. Buried her penalty and was good all match and has been all tournament. And uh, I think Canada were deserved winners against a, a very good United States team who were maybe off their best form. Yeah, it was a real result for me of, of collectivity versus individual individuality, I think. You know, for me, you know, I couldn't believe how bad the Americans were. And I've seen them already in this tournament. They <laughs> yeah. were woeful. Yeah. I'm not taking anything away from the United States victory because, the, sorry, the Canada victory over the United States because that is important. Um, and we're going to get to Canada. But the U.S. were woeful. They couldn't put three passes together. I miscounted. I tried to count how many times they gave the ball away. I lost count in the first half. It was done before <laughs> half time. It, was, it must have been over 100 times in a match. It was They were terrible. Um, uh, and, you know, for me, a team that didn't have a, you know, a collective identity, which Canada did. Canada stuck in the game. Canada had great individual performances we're going to get to in a second. Um, but, Marty, uh, you and your cats must have enjoyed the victory at this point. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, full, full hallucinations after the penalty call because it felt it felt like it was going to happen. I, I know we need to talk about London 2012. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly when that's going to come, but it was just after that game, I was thinking about when Beth Priestman was first hired and having conversations with people around this team. And, you know, the, the overwhelming narrative was they need to get the best out of this golden generation. Beth Priestman needs to squeeze everything he can, everything, everything she can out of this group. And the irony is after that game, the golden generation continues. 
in many respects, right? This this isn't there's no more countdown clock. Like, you know, Jesse Fleming obviously with the goal, but like Vanessa Gill, we, we know I know we want to talk about her, but like, you know, this group is still quite young, it's still quite good. And the way that they played shows that there's another battle after this, right? It's 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 just one of those things where after London 2012, after after what this team has gone through, to sort of see that there's a new generation poking through that can totally play is 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 magnificent for this country. Benedict, let me turn back to you because you've been on this from day one with us and uh, our correspondent on this. But this has been a gradual process. This has not just come out of nothing. Like their preparations coming into the tournament, who they were playing, what they're, you know, the, we know that they struggle sometimes to score goals, particularly from open play, the way they're set up. But again, to anybody out there at any level of football, whether it's the, you know, the Women's Olympics, the Men's World Cup, your League One, whatever it is, stay in the game. And that can happen. You know, they stay in games. And that's a, a real strong character of this team. And again, back to the preparation for this tournament that has served them well. Yeah, definitely. We saw in, in their, their friendlies that played before this, for example, they played Brazil, knowing that there was always a chance they'd play them in a knockout match at the Olympics. Um, ben Friesen said after that game, they hope they play them again at the Olympics. And, and they did get that chance and they did beat them. So I think their preparation for the tournament was exactly as it needed to be. Uh, maybe you wanted another game against another top team, but... Uh, they, they tied the Netherlands as well in Japan before the tournament began a couple of days. So they, they are capable of getting results against big teams and the preparation definitely helped with that. Charlie, your thoughts on this, what's going on with this special moment with this group? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a lot to, to consider. And I mean, I, I think most people have put it into words better than I can. And I mostly just kind of screamed a lot <laughs> after the, the game. Cause it's just very cathartic, right? Cause you see yeah. this American team come into this tournament They've won everything. They've won World Cups. They've won gold medals. There's a lot of hubris on that team. And they come in, and I mean, obviously, they, they got they got thrashed by Sweden in their first game as well. But then they come into this game. And was it what was it Megan Rapino said after the game where she said, I just really didn't want to lose to Canada. I don't think we've ever lost to Canada. And it really, I really don't like that. Which I don't think is actually disrespectful. I think that I think that maybe does show that there is a level of respect that they really don't want to lose to a uh, uh, geographic rival so to speak but it was a really special result a really special performance and i think marty's right that there is kind of another level and another gear for this canadian team who are still you know we have to remember they've played 10 by now 15 games under a new coach no. so and they're still you know coming together and there's a lot of younger players that are starting to step up into bigger roles so i'm really excited to see you know what this team can become under bev priestman we're already seeing some incredible heights Brady, you're out in Halifax right now, and it's a special day out there. We're going to get to it in a minute with the home opener, but uh, maybe just talk about being involved in the game out there, what the discussion was with the women's team and setting up the tone of what's been a really, really unbelievable few weeks here for Canadian soccer. Yeah, no, it's been terrific, and I, I, I got lucky. I got up before my alarm and, and did catch the second half, so the timing was was terrific. I was pulling a Benedict. I was sleeping on the job, but uh, I caught the important stuff, so so that was good. But, <laughs> no, we've, we've all kind of touched on, on Bev Friesman here, and I think, like, her influence on this this group, it can't be understated. Like, it's not a lot of new faces. It, it's very much a team that we've seen before, but she's made a lot of big calls. Like if Kaylin Sheridan was was fit, we probably would have assumed she was the starter, right? And and LeBay has been battling injuries and she stuck with her. That's, that certainly worked out for her. Putting Vanessa Gills in as great of a performance as it was over Zadorski, a very senior player, that's a big call. And then, you know, there's a lot of people who, who thought maybe Ashley Lawrence would slot in the midfield, but she's been instrumental at right back. And I think in the modern game, we know how the, the role of the fullback has changed. And I think that's probably got the most out of Ashley Lawrence for this team. And so mm -hmm. I think a lot of credit goes to Bev. And it feels a little bit like we're talking about they've already accomplished what they want to accomplish, but they have a gold medal game later this week. And yeah. so I hope I hope that they can, you know, this this is a huge emotional moment for this group, but for 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 them and, and for the fans of, of this team, I hope that they can, you know, bounce back and, and get a good performance again against Sweden and try to go for gold here. Yeah, Thursday, ten, excuse me, Thursday, ten o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Pacific. Thursday night, so no, no longer sleeping on the job. Uh, Marty's, <laughs> Marty's cat. We're all going to be awake. Everybody, even Benedict's going to be awake. And ben, poor Benedict doesn't even know what day it is right now. Uh, you know, let, let alone what hour it is. He's messaging me in the middle of the night. Oh, good morning, good afternoon. He's, he's, you know, poor guy. But Benedict, this has been, I'm sure, uh, for you. And you know, this is. 
again, we want to look at it from the player's point of view. But for you, you know, this has been a journey for you. You know, you've been covering this team a long way, and then you to get to gradually watch them through come through this. Just you know, from from a journalistic point of view, just how much you're enjoying this and and, and doing the stories on this as we continue to fill out what's going to be a preview uh, ahead of this weekend, this week's game. Yeah, it's been awesome. Man. As a young journalist, I've always wanted to cover an Olympics and and not only cover Olympics, cover Canada and Olympics and soccer is my favorite sport and that combination is obviously pretty good pretty good one and uh see canada sort of right some wrongs i guess in this olympic tournament and 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 knock out big teams like brazil and the united states has been been really cool and got a new headband to wear and <laughs> in, the, in the end it's, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a pretty good result no matter what the medal um but to, to change the one as, as they've been talking about so much has been has been pretty cool and and there he goes again. Big player step. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. We lost you there for a second. But thank, thankfully, much like Steph Labe, you're back. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I think uh, last thing I said there was, uh, as Brady sort of alluded to, uh, I'm running a column about how big players step up in big, big matches, but also big coaches step up in big matches and big moments. And and Beth Friesman's definitely done that during this tournament. Last one for me on this is I think in the past, and I don't mean this as a criticism, and I surely hope people don't take it that way, but I think that just the the complete difference in quality between who Canada play, who Canada had in the jersey compared to Christine Sinclair just naturally alluded to this. But a lot of the times, the Canadian teams in the past were waiting for Christine Sinclair to yeah. win them the game, and, yeah. and 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 many oftentimes she did, and they were, they were allowed <laughs> to do that. Uh, but I don't feel like this group looks at Christine Sinclair going, "You need to win us the game." I think they look at her and go, "You are a complement of the piece. You are the reason. The re- the, you play where you play." She was brilliant defense by the way, stopping those passes into mm-hmm. midfield, in particular into Lindsay Horan um, and, 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 and Julie Ertz. And that's why she played in, in that kind of role. She worked so hard in that way. Yes, she's not going to have that sprinting power anymore and that penetration to get into the box and, and put the balls in the back of the net in the, you know, in the six-yard box all the time. But she's now a complementary piece and a big piece, but no longer the biggest piece to, to just say, you need to be the one who wins us the game. And I thought that was a big difference. And now we're seeing, as, you, as we mentioned, so many of these players you know, uh, step up and we could, you could, we could go on, you know, we could go on and on. We haven't mentioned many of them, you know, Desiree Scott, Quinn, you know, Alicia Chapman. There's yep. so many of the ones players there. Actually, Lawrence, we've mentioned Jill, you know, we mentioned so many Buchanan, but you could go on and mention every team, every player on the team. Um, it's been that good. It's been exciting, and we'll look forward to Thursday night's gold medal. While we're here, and we will get to CPL shortly, but a word on the Canadian men's team, because we have not spoken since the gut punch from her Herrera in the 99th minute yeah. that happened at the end of last week. Charlie, you were on this one. Uh, how tough was this to swallow, and how hard was it for you to start <laughs> typing about it? Because for me, I got yeah. home at... 1.30 in the morning after doing the game, and I just I was just writing. In the end, I didn't publish anything, but I was just writing just to get my new my notes in, in, intact for the next time. And before I knew it, it was 4 a.m. and the Canadian women's were starting, and I was still awake. And I think I fell asleep <laughs> about 6.30 or 7. Or it was just, I don't know about you, Charlie, but how, it, it, you know when you have those kind of moments and those late games, that, that it's, it's never easy to just fall asleep after a game like that. No, no, definitely not. It was... It yeah it did I I think I think it definitely hurt a lot just the way that game ends um, you know the intensity of it and you could sort of see that in the faces of all the Canadian players and, and John Herdman that came on to do media after the game I think when Herdman showed up for his press conference he just kind of sat there for a minute silent and it he was really upset but I think I think as much as it hurts a lot I think it's maybe a good thing that it's so painful and, and so frustrating to lose a very close game to Mexico in a semifinal. Mm. You know, usually if Canada were to, to get into a semifinal or any kind of game against Mexico, they lose 2-0, but, you know, they play okay. You're probably not too upset about it. But you look at a game like this and you're like, well, it was it was right there for them. They absolutely were in this game, probably outplayed Mexico for, for long stretches of it. And... You know, for it to end like that, it's going to hurt in any circumstances. But I think in these ones in particular, where this team felt very special and just the performance was really good, it was kind of heartbreaking to see it end like that when we were all getting ready for extra time. We're like two minutes after the actual stoppage time was supposed to be. Uh, but yeah, there's you can't really take anything away from Canada's performance throughout the whole Gold Cup. It was quite a special run from these Canadian men missing a lot of important players and a lot of 
younger guys stepped up and I think that it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's put them in an incredible position heading into the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, it's a real example of the belief that they have that's been instilled in them and in each other. You know, they just go out there and play for each other. There's just genuine belief that they can play on the pitch with anybody right now. And they will not be, they will not wave, waver in their pursuit of believing they can get to the World Cup. And that's going to be definitely, you can see it when they go on the pitch, no matter who's playing. And it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how much that fuels them now, because as you alluded to, it's a really difficult one to stomach for all of us. Um, and I'm sure those players will stay with them for a while. You know, I went to the game on Sunday night just to watch uh, Richie and Alistair and, and also came on as well. And, and kind of, you know, TFC played Nashville. And after the game, you know, they the three of them just found each other. You know, and they were just talking on the pitch for about five five more minutes afterwards because, you know, that bond is there. You know, it's genuine right now. And we're just going to see where it takes them. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that. But we're, we're going to be all over that as well. We're going to be all over the coverage ahead of the World Cup qualifiers, which starts very soon, which is very great soon. For, for all of us yeah. as well. Uh, start of September, Honduras at home. Um, yeah, it uh, looks like it's going to be in Toronto as well. So that's uh, exciting times. All right, let's move on to the Canadian Premier League. And it was, again, a really good weekend because we are back. We are back to see the fans. The fans showed up in their numbers. Wow, it was so exciting. Just a different feeling. I didn't get to go. Charlie was there. I didn't get to go because I was doing the games at one soccer. But um, just the sound of the game, guys, um, it was different. The broadcast sounded different. The gate, you know, let's start with Halifax. Brady, you were there as well on Monday. And, um, you know, when I first turned it on and I saw the weather, I, my heart sank a little <laughs> bit because I felt so bad for those fans out there. Brady, let me turn to you first of all. What was the morning like? What was the preparation like? Halifax come back and win by two goals to one against Atletico, Atletico Ottawa. Uh, you're in the middle of it. You were working out there as well. And what was the whole day like as you, as you walked up to the stadium and, and a feeling of the fans showing up in their numbers despite the conditions? Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, it, 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 the result probably made it worth it for the home fans. And I had a couple of people coming through the gate say that to me. They're like, "If we win, we're gonna forget about all this." And so that was that was <laughs> massive for the for the occasion. And obviously, it being a holiday here in Halifax, people were really excited. And I forget the exact number, but it's been almost two calendar years since they've had a home game at Wanderers Grounds. And so it was it was special. Uh, it was raining a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, the forecast was calling for like 0.1 millimeters per hour, starting at like 10, 11 a.m. And by 10 a.m., we had like 30 millimeters. So that was <laughs> whoever was on that has dropped the ball. But I mean, they're used to that kind of stuff out here. And I don't know that Ottawa, especially some of their international players, were too keen on the conditions. But the Halifax guys were, were certainly soaking it up. And I think the first 15, 20 minutes, there was a little bit of nerves. And then once they settled in, they really kind of imposed their will on this game for sure. Yeah, let's, let's, I, I want to get back to Halifax, but th this Ottawa team are a strange bunch right now. And I, I, it's, you know, I think when I look at the team, there's so much to like, yet I don't think the formula is translated from the paper to the pitch, uh, so to speak. And we saw, obviously, Telfer back, Uche played, Soto played. Uh, Brady made a good point there about the conditions that could have been a factor. Mista was suspended. We just have, I don't think, Marty, let me turn to you. I don't think we've seen... It seemed like it seemed like every week McKendrew was suspended, and then Manella went off. It seemed like every week something happens to make sure that not every ingredient goes into the mixing bowl every week for these guys. Well, and the kicker is that you know Ryan Telfer scores on the day, and you know obviously I think I think that was their only shot on target, if I'm not mistaken, yes, on yeah. the header. But <clears throat> you know we were thinking about some of the criticism we've been leveling at Ottawa, and you know Ryan Telfer is a big difference maker in this league. And if we give him some time to maybe mix him with this group, maybe they do find that formula you're talking about, Christian, because I think they're dead last in shots, big chances created, touches in the box, I believe, uh, in the league right now. So, yeah, it, it obviously hasn't clicked. But when you know when you see a player like Ryan Telfer out there, who I thought played all right, you know, you start to think, OK, if we just add one more piece, maybe things will get mixed up a bit. Yeah, Ryan Telfer tried to shush the crowd that lasted about five minutes. <laughs> uh, not ideal when you uh, Ottawa became just the second team, the first team to, to concede a goal, uh, to concede a lead this season and lose a game. Uh, they also did it against Pacific as well. Uh, yeah. But Charlie, you know what? We, uh, Marty makes good points, but I think we have this overall. We, we were all pretty high on this team, certainly coming yeah. in. They had a big yeah. preseason in Spain. Um, it just. No, I don't know. I feel like they could put it together. Uh, maybe with a couple of nice days, sunshine-wise, and, and you know, home opener coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't feel like they're done. I'm not willing to say they're not making the playoffs, but it, they've got to start getting pretty, you know, pretty chemistry, some chemistry pretty quickly here. Yeah, they do. And I think, I think 
it is going to come. There's just so much quality in the players that they have on the pitch that you would expect it to show up eventually. Uh, but yeah, I mean, then in this game, they come in, you know, Uche is making his debut at the club. Alberto Soto has played uh, one game before. Ryan Telfer missed seven in a row. Uh, and when you're a team that wants to, you know, play football, you want to keep the ball on the ground and kind of use that sort of creative element and, and that sort of thing, like Ottawa probably wants to, then you're going to have trouble when you've got a, you know, a front three, front four that aren't particularly familiar with each other. And you could kind of see that in this game, you know, they'd do well to maybe get the ball out of midfield, move it up wide with fullbacks, and then they'd get into the attacking third and the pass goes to nobody. Right. Mm -hmm. It happened. It happened. I think, I think at least a few times that, you know, just, they're not on the same page. They're not the, the guys off the ball aren't necessarily making the run that whoever has the ball is expecting them to at this point and these are things that you know only really come from from actually playing together and, and learning each other you know the, the Halifax team has been together for two years now and they've been training a lot together and you can kind of see the difference with you know Joe Morelli's second goal where he knows where Corey Bent's going to put the cross right and I don't think that's an element that Ottawa has quite figured out yet and maybe just really one one quick thought on Ottawa, just something that we heard in the bubble and a comparison that made a lot of sense to me was Ottawa's a lot like first year Valor in 2019. There's a lot of quality. There's a lot of players from different places, but it's just about trying to find the chemistry and maybe that core that they could move on from. And I just thought that comparison is really apt considering how they've played so far. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one too. I think back to Charlie's point, you know, when you watch Halifax, their key creative players work hard without the ball. Mm -hmm. That's Mishnah's yeah. next big frontier for me is how do you get Nunez? How do you get Soto? How do you get Telfer? How do you get these guys buying in to be defensively committed when things aren't going your way? Because I think that's sometimes when things go wrong for them is uh, you know your speed of thought, the tempo, the getting out to the ball, stopping the crosses quicker. Um, you, you know, just those you know, more flair players. Um, ben, I know you watch the game as well. Benedict, I'll turn to you. What, do, what are your thoughts about Halifax? Because I think this is a team... We've all liked a lot on this podcast for some time. A team that probably underperformed results-wise compared to performances. Uh, and a team that showed a lot of personality, Benedict, to come from behind here. Yeah, I'm not sure if playing at home helped. But I think uh, they definitely seem to have everything click a bit more yeah, yesterday, I think. Uh, especially on the on the two wings. I think Maury Doner and Corey Bent on the right side, especially, is, is a heck of a combo as well. And, and they were really good. And I think uh, they seem to be linking the lines a bit better, like the midfield with the attackers were linking up well and the midfield and the defenseman. Sometimes it was maybe defenders booting the ball down to the forwards. So I think some of the lines are sort of coming together a bit more and play more as a team rather than individuals. And I think that's something that can help them going forward if they can sort of keep that up and, and turn this around a little bit. Maury Dona and Corey Bent both made the Gatorade team of the week. Uh, shout out for that. You can check that out at campiel.ca. Uh, put together by Oliver Platt and myself. Um, Brady, what was the overall thoughts afterwards? You were involved in the press conferences. Uh, how excited was everybody? And how much fun is it to watch Jao Morelli live? Because this guy just took over the game. Yeah, he, he was having a blast out there. I think he went in the 90th minute. He went off injured, and I think it was by design. He was right in front of the kitchen, and, and they're giving him the ovation, and, and he's giving him the claps back. He really, like, this is his first home game. I know he spoke to his excitement back in the bubble in Winnipeg, and he certainly looked up for the occasion. I, I think I wrote it down here. He had seven of the 13 total shot attempts in this game for both yeah. teams. So he was he was feeling himself from just about any distance today, or yesterday, sorry. And so... All these guys were really soaking in the occasion. I was there, you know, an hour soaking and a half. Okay, this is the this it. is the second time he said soaking in. We didn't let it go. We can't let it go anymore. You were soaked. <laughs> these are the weather puns. Yeah, the, the weather pun. This is how we were keeping our sanity yesterday. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this sorry. Is the back, back to soaking it in. Go ahead. Speaking of soaking it in, yeah, um, yes, I like these guys were. You know, they're only going to get how many home games this year? Ten. They, this it's pretty quick turnaround and, and it was an hour, an hour and a half after the game and half the team and the coaching staff were still out on the pitch, just, yeah. you know, kind of talking about what worked, what didn't work. Ottawa were, were long gone, but these guys were just, you know, the sun was out at this point, actually. So they were, they were having a little bit of fun and, and just bantering. I think you could see just mentally what, what it meant to these guys to be back, both, both the players, the fans, the coaching staff. It was, it was just, it was, it was special for sure couple of big moments in the game charlie the first goal for morelli looked offside yes. uh certainly the ball came across <laughs> that it looked like kim garcia was offside on that one 
And then Akeem Garcia goes through on goal and looks like he finally ends his drought. And oh no, he's on the ground. And then a yellow card for simulation, which I thought was a bit harsh. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Charlie, what did you think? We're gonna, By the way, a bit of a familiar theme about harsh yellow cards. We'll get to that in a second. Oh boy. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> you're United. But uh, yeah, Charlie, your thoughts yeah. on the big, the big two moments of the match? On, on Garcia, he was almost certainly offside on the first goal. Um, <laughs> But, you know, that it happens. It happens. There's no VAR. There's nothing. And it, it, it was probably close enough. I did I did think the linesman was maybe not in the right position mm-hmm. to make that call. They looked like they were a little bit behind the line. And then, you know, the the simulation yellow card did seem a little harsh, but it might be one of those situations where, you know, the referee sees it happen, decides it's not a foul. And if you decide it's not a foul, not a penalty, well, then the logical explanation is that, you know, he... he went over a little bit easily and it, it was a little harsh. It definitely wasn't the penalty though. So, I mean, I, I think just, just on Akeem Garcia, it's definitely been a frustrating start to this season. You know, nine games, he's, he's the reigning golden boot winner. He hasn't scored yet. And he's had chances that he probably last year when he's a little bit on confidence, he's a little bit on form. He probably puts them away a lot more regularly. And I think all he's going to need is that one just to kind of, take the, the weight off his shoulders, maybe get out of his head a little bit. Because that, that can happen with a striker sometimes when you feel like you're being judged by how many goals you score. And it's, it's definitely a tough place to be when it's just not bouncing your way at the moment. But, you know, we, we know Joaquim Garcia is a very good player. And, and certainly he's had the support around him with his, his Halifax teammates to make it okay that he's not scoring. He doesn't have to do all the scoring for them at the moment. Um, so I, I, think, I think he'll be able to figure it out you know once they're they're at home they're in a more comfortable environment and and i think he will be set up for success akeem garcia halifax wanderers fans stick around for the end of the show for rapid fire where we may hear his name again uh, fc edmonton three valor one uh this was a comprehensive victory by the eddies and we can't say that very often over the last couple of years certainly within the canadian premier league alan Koch's identity was there to be seen an outstanding defensive display individual performances all over the pitch from the Medidic to hunter gorski to the two boys up front on goro and wachewski both getting goals fraser ed was very good they were good in wide areas um Wow, this is uh, this is good. This is really good to see again. I feel like every time we talk about each team, at some point during the last few weeks, we've talked positive. Benedict, let me turn to you first on that, on the Eddies. This was um, as good as a performance you could ever have written up. If you're Alan Koch, you just obviously, apart from the one goal which was deflected at the in the 88th minute, would have got a clean sheet as well. The kind of performance where you go, they keep playing like this, they can make the playoffs. Yeah, I think similar to what we saw with Halifax, is a very sort of complete performance. I think um, obviously the two strikers not only playing together but working well together and both scoring I think is obviously a huge confidence booster for them. Um, then obviously, again, again, Simpson and Halifax as well, top to bottom, everyone seems really sort of connected as a, as a team unit rather than the individual performances. We saw some teams this weekend and I think Edmonton have kind of been played by that a little bit over the past couple of years and mm. if you play in the way they did, uh, like you said, they're, they're going to make a difference in this league and, and jump up the table as well. Charlie, you doing the game. What impressed you the most about them? About Edmonton, I just really liked kind of the way that they they tried to just get forward really quickly. I mean, we saw Amir Didic, who is one of the best center backs in this league at playing the ball out of the back comfortably. He often will, you know, just put it kind of sideways, these little kind of short passes. He'll link up well with Frazier Aird a lot when he's playing right back, for instance. But in this game, Didic seemed to really be looking to just get over the top of Valor's midfield with these long diagonal balls, which he seemed to be able to hit on a dime. He could just identify where the space was, you know, kind of around where the Valor fullbacks were, maybe a little behind them. And he could just put a ball into that area. And, you know, Toby Warshevsky or, or Easton Angara was typically there for him. And, I mean, Hunter Gorski was kind of doing the same thing a lot of this game with just these, these direct balls, these through balls between the lines, just to kind of get the ball to the feet of these strikers for their hold-up play and their little one-twos. And it really, really, really was effective for Edmonton because Valor is often a hard team to break down. The kind of congestings in the midfield a little bit. So if you're Edmonton, you just decide you don't want any part of that and you go over top of them. And it worked out quite well, I think, in this game. I think it probably led to at least the second goal for sure. And then and the first one, you know, it was a corner kick. Uh, I think the the first and third one were were from set pieces, but they still managed to get quite a few 
extra chances, including the Vorshevsky one, which was called offside. Um, just from these, these, you know, route one, you get the ball, you have a plan immediately kind of situations. Yeah, I'm all in for this front too. You know, we've been mm-hmm. on it for, for a while on this podcast. We talked about them getting different times. I think from day one, we've all been really impressed with Warshevsky. Yeah. Uh, for me, and I, 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 again, he's in the team of the week this week, and I wrote, there's no player like him in this league. That profile, no. I can't, there's, there's, there isn't a comparable profile for me. Um, where, you know, for me, he's actually quite, he's got quite soft feet for a big player as well, where he holds the ball up really well. He's good with his back to goal. Uh, so he can play, I think, in a front two or even out wide in a front three if necessary. So that brings some tactical versatility for Alan Koch. But yeah, I'm all in. And if anybody wants to bring up uh, a nickname for these Twin Towers, I'm all in because the Twin Towers has already been taken by Burnley. So we need a we need a nickname for the front two here, Marty, so we can all work on that. But, you know, Toby Garo's just not going to kill just not going to cut it. So we need something else. Uh, but I'm all in for these. But I was delighted for both of them to get the goals, Marty. Yeah, well, and, and this just kind of plays into what I think, you know, I wrote this in the preview for the El Clasico coming up uh, today, tonight rather. Um, you know, this is just maybe the meta that that Alan Koch has found where, you know, I know there was a bit of hesitancy with letting both of these guys play together. And, you know, I think I think rightfully so in some cases is obviously because of personnel, but it just works and you just let them let them let them loose. Like the East Nongaro goal was just like a classic Ongaro goal. You know, just like running around three or four guys, jumping over somebody, like smashing it off a shin, going back post. Like, it's just like, it's, 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 I mean, it works. It works. You can't deny it. You can't deny it from both players. And just quickly on Tobias as well. I know this is a player that they're super high on in, in Eddie's camp. And, you know, what they say in training, what they see is still miles, miles better than what they see on the pitch uh, at times. Just those little glimpses. They're really high on him. They think they can go to, he can go to the next level. We'll keep an eye on what's happening with Valor. Rob Gale wasn't too despondent afterwards, obviously giving away a couple of bad goals, one from a set piece as well. They're still getting stronger. Players coming back where they need to. Romeo got his debut, so we'll keep an eye on them uh, as well. we got to move on for time purposes. Pacific 2 Cavalry nil. This was the back, the, the second game in the back-to-back doubleheader to kickstart it all off on Friday night. And Brady, this was your game, and this was just really cool. Uh, great again to see the, the fans show up. The sun was shining. Uh, the... Uh, I think it was Al Therabee, who uh, I've been on his show a few times, sung an unbelievable rendition of Oh Canada. The passion was out there right away. And then the whistle blew, and it was like the players got shot out of a cannon. And uh, once they stopped, Bustos was still going as he dribbled his way around in the box. And after 124 seconds, poked home a very fitting goal uh, to start his time off there at that stadium at Starlight again this year. But boy, oh boy, uh, what a night this was. Your thoughts on Bustos in particular and Pacific overall, Brady? Yeah, as you mentioned, just the tempo from the off was was so high in, in both directions initially. Obviously, Pacific had the end product to show for it very, very quickly. But it's very rare you see two teams who are really just like that eager to go forward at the same time. And I think at the end of the day, you know, Cavalry has some, some injuries, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit more detail. But Pacific have a really good understanding right now in their front three. You mentioned Bustos. I thought Diaz was really good as well in, in his hold-up play. And and they got the glass back as well. And for a guy who this was his first game of the season, they seemed to have a really good understanding up top. And and, and, and him and him and Bustos were willing runners all night. But obviously, you know, we've seen Marcos' ability to just piece of individual quality like the, the play looks to be breaking down and then suddenly he's beat three defenders and the balls in the back of the net and i think for him it, it was you know very important to get there and play his first game in front of starlight and, and to make a statement uh we didn't have to wait very long to see that so yeah marty just a fun match you know i mean i was doing yeah. we were talking about team of the week this week in the end ollie and i went for callum irving but Marco Carducci, who lost the game, could have easily been involved in it as well. He had made some terrific saves, just end-to-end, non-stop. And Cavalry, I, I, I felt from a little bit because they were shook a little bit by the early goal. But they played their part in an entertaining night, Marty. Yeah, Pacific just playing with like a level of creativity and confidence that you know, we haven't seen. And this is obviously was what's what's going to just add fuel to the fire of this team. Yeah, the crowd was fantastic. Yeah, you're you're bang on about Cavalry. You, you kind of felt for them at that point. I know they had a short bench as well. Mm. Not a, not obviously a couple uh, injuries there, but not sure if they just wanted to rest guys who just don't want to make the flight out to to the West Coast after a busy week. But yeah, I mean the Bustos goal was just amazing. Went over and slapped uh, slapped hands with the crowd. And the the touches the touches he took were you know just trying to think about what I would do if I had to take that many touches. 
notches. It would just go 10 feet forward and it wouldn't go in the net. It's just, it's just, yeah, it was just a great game. And obviously the Dos Santos goal was, was peak end to end football. Loved it. Yeah, what's a what a strike that was! Yeah, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Just absolutely roofed it, blasted it, and that was it. it was fitting because it was the start and the end. And as, as I said, I felt for cavalry, but it just it just felt like they were. Um, uninvited guests who just had to come <laughs> they just had to come to allow pacific to play well in the end they had, you know maybe they will get their moment maybe it will be tonight they teams play again next week uh i think uh, at home uh, in 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 calgary so that may be their time to to turn this around but um quickly on cavalry i know they've got some injuries again left side escalante did okay in what was a tough task uh they need additions and uh marty they're getting one uh, in a familiar face coming back to the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, I'm not sure how much exactly we want to spoil this, but we do know that a big name is going to land with them, I believe, sometime today. Just not sure exactly when this is going to be uploaded. We'll, we'll hang yeah. tight. But if you're listening to this, feel free to check it out. Yeah, this is this is a big-name player and uh, someone who scored, uh, I think at this point, seven goals, uh, five assists in this league, uh, a, a big-time free agent that I think, you know, <laughs> it's funny, this is quite a tease. Uh, this is, uh, he's, he's going to, you know, he's, he's, he's going to add an element. Uh, let's, let's see how far we can go without saying his name. He's going to add an added element to this team and something that, you know, a veteran presence as well. Uh, I guess a lot like Joe DiChiara, but out on the wing um, that hopefully can lift this team uh, out of sort of some of their scoring woes that we saw uh, at Pacific, right? Yeah, canpl.ca, the news will break today. Um, yeah, let's move on. Friday night, the first game. Charlie, you were there. York yeah. United uh, rebrand. The crowd was fantastic. Uh, every credit to that organization, to Jimmy Brennan, to Angus McNabb, to the many people that own a ship group that got that over the line. I know behind the scenes there's a ton of challenges. Uh, they showed up in their numbers. The pitch looked fantastic, much better than it did uh, before with the running track. The facility looked a lot better. It looked, you know, for me on the, on, t- on television doing the broadcast, it sounded great. Um, we'll get to Babuli and he's spoiling the party in four minutes in a second. But Charlie, yeah. when you arrived, the overall energy, what was it like there? It was amazing and honestly a little bit weird because I got there and I kind of got into the press box and I was like, well, I don't remember what I do here. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. You know what you're supposed to do when you you go to a football game to cover it anymore because I hadn't for for almost two years. Right. And just just before kickoff, I I kind of just walked along the concourse through the stadium just to kind of get a feel for the energy and the the kind of buzz around the stadium. And it was it was really really a special night. I think because York did a really good job of you know fill, filling the stadium to to the extent that they're allowed to. Uh, based on their their COVID capacity, uh, I mean, shout out to to Forge and the Barton Street Battalion. They had a really good, strong section down in down in one end of the stadium. They all kind of congregated, and uh, and Moba Bully shouted them after the game. Said that he could definitely hear them, and he's he's definitely right. They were pretty loud with their drum and their their classic chants that we we all know that they're very good with. Uh, but it was it was just a really really special moment, I think, for football in general. Uh, all of the all of the York players had you know huge contingents of their family and friends in the stands. I think there was this one section, uh, a, a couple rows of, of the stadium, which were almost entirely Isaiah Johnston jerseys. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. a lot of forty fours. That's a lot of forty fours. A lot of forty fours, and it was it was just incredible. And I mean, well, we can talk about in a sec whether it was a bit of a, a distraction for York or, or a bit of a bit of an issue in the early going, but. It, it was a really special night, and all of the players were very, even though the York players didn't get the result, they were very, you know, emotional to just be here. And a lot of them are local players, and they've never had their family and friends see them play professionally before. So it, it was a, a really amazing night. That's what it's all about. You know, that's what it's all about, giving these players opportunities to play. You know, as you mentioned, I think Isaiah Johnson had over 40 people there, something <laughs> to sweep most people in the stands. And, you know, to play in front of family and as a professional player, you know, I, I think, Cedric Toussaint's family came down. You know, many people traveled a long way to come to watch this game to see the, their 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 kids playing, and that's just really special. So, um, you, you know, I spoke to Jimmy Brennan in the pre-match press conference about it, and he said some of his great memories playing for these top clubs he's played for is the connection with the fans, and that's what you hope to start here again and and reignite. And you mentioned it. He did then say after the game that he did felt like that did play a bit of a part with these young players early early on. 
you know, he knows his team better than I do. I just think Forge were just better early on. Their spacing was better. They went to a back three again, which I think is certainly suiting them at the moment with the addition of uh, Ashnori Jonsson in midfield and in, in, they take him out of midfield and put him at the back. I don't think he misplaced a pass all night. I think it was 100% throughout the entire game. Um, you know, Kwame Wu was terrific again, another member of the Gatorade team of the week, and he set up that Babuli goal. Before we get to York, Zator, Abzi, um, Charlie, again, your thoughts on Forge getting in and getting out with three points? Yeah, they they kind of did what they needed to do. And I don't think that they were particularly thrilled with their second half performance, mm. especially when they go up to 10 men and they're still kind of being pressed back a little bit by a team chasing the game. Um, but, you know, you can't really you can't really pick it apart too much because, you know, you, you hold them back, you hold the clean sheet. And they also had a short bench in this game. I think they had four outfield players on a bench, all of whom entered the game, two of whom are teenagers who uh, haven't really played much for this club. I think Santiago Frias came in and and Sebastian Castello, I think Castello, uh, comes in. He'd officially signed for the club that morning, and he's 17 years old, and he comes in to see out the last 10 minutes of, of a derby match in which they're hanging on to a 1-0 lead. So it was really, Forge kind of did have to dig deep for this, victory for this result and they came away with it i mean we york did look quite good going forward but you know their balls into the box were dealt with very well by forge they they overall probably wouldn't say that they were they were uncomfortable at any point in this game forge so i think i think they'll be reasonably happy to hold on to that result i think they would have liked to impose themselves a little more in the second half I know that they put the ball in the net once. I don't really know what happened there, but Bobby Smyrniota certainly thought that it should have been a goal. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I think that they will. I think both sides will kind of come out of this reasonably happy with that. Talking of young players, I think Matusala needs a bit of a shout out too. He almost mm-hmm. made my team of the week this week. He can move outside as a player, as a fullback, as he did in the second half uh, when the injury happens again. He can play in a back three. He, he looks like a good young player uh, so far when I've watched him this season. Uh, let's get to the big moment of the match. York gave the ball away too often in the first half. They give the ball away again. Forge again don't really want the ball, uh, but then hit you quickly through transition, straight away playing through the lines. Uh, Sabak, who I thought was excellent, played through Tristan Borges, got on the wrong side, at least for Dominic Zator's uh, side, and then Zator chases him back, and it looked like, uh, from the referee's angle, that it was a little bit of a touch, and then down went Borges. Let's go around the table here. Who thought it was a, a red card? Who thinks that York have a right to appeal and try and get Zator back? Benedict, what do you think? I think it's a rule book red card. Like I think if you're calling it a foul, you have to call it a red card. If it's last man back, the line of goal scoring opportunity, all that, all that fun stuff. So uh, I don't necessarily dislike the red card call. I think it was harsh, but I don't think York's going to really have a, uh, a case to overturn the appeal. Brady. Yeah, I understand what Benny's saying too, but if, if I'm Jimmy Brennan and then I'm, I'm definitely appealing this one. I didn't think there was a ton of contact. I think you're right. If, if there is contact, it's it's probably a red soft or not, but I would I would appeal it for sure. Marty? I would appeal it as well. A bit harsh. Yeah. A Charlie. Harsh. Yeah, there there is contact, but it's about a step or two before Tristan Borges goes down. And if we're giving Akeem Garcia yellow cards uh for probably a, an incident where there was more contact, then uh yeah, I I I, I <laughs> can understand some frustration from York on that end is, is all I'll say. I understand the frustration. I'll just say, if a man is running on goal, and oh, yeah. it, it, it is clearly through with no passage in the way, and then somebody touches you, uh, that is a, it, it's mm-hmm. a foul. You know, whether you go down or not, um, uh, you know, and whether they, whether they can prove there was no contact or not, and it was, you know, I saw a number of angles, tried to slow it down, it looked like he touched him. You know, you know for me, the referee, I think it's going to be very difficult if I was refereeing that game to not do what I did. You know, I think it looked like he touched him. It, it, the other thing I, I would say this is that how Borges goes down should have no impact on whether it's a foul or not. Does he go down? Yes, it goes down too much, I think. No question about it. Um, I also think that a Tristan Borges in peak form 2019 is not looking for contact and is mm-hmm. gone. 
Uh, and it's just an example of him not being at his top level right now and looking to go down because I think he understands the limitations he's got. But we'll see. We'll see what comes of that. The other one was the Absy yellow card where he, <laughs> near the end of the game, the poor guy goes to kick the ball back to Tristan Henry, kicks it a little bit harsh. Henry, I don't know, some gamesmanship, wanted to waste a bit of time, goes down as if the ball, you know, a, a, a little bit like uh, as if the ball had been hit too hard on him. I thought, okay. And then the ref gives Absy and Tristan Henry yeah. yellow cards. <laughs> Absy now missing the game on Wednesday night. Um, this was Marty. This was this was a bit ridiculous. No, I, I think you said. I think you said it on the broadcast. But this is this is just a bit of Concacaf from Tristan Henry. You know, he's played Concacaf league a couple of times. <laughs> he's gone away. He's been successful. You know, he's he's picking up little tricks here and there. Yeah, I think it was, it was Wheeler who I said mean, it. Give him credit. But yeah. it was Wheeler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm I, I, I'm just looking at your notes here. I won't repeat what was written down, but uh, I agree with that yeah. statement. It, it, it is what it is, right? It, it happened. It was a bit shocking, but. You know, okay. you move on. You do move, move on. Uh, but, you know, for me, I want the best players on the pitch. You know, I don't want to get players suspended for things like this. You know, it's just... Uh, best players suspended for a derby match now, and that's really yeah, frustrating. Because, uh, you know, yeah. thankfully, they took out Tariq Mohammed early because I think thinking about that, because if he'd have got a yellow as well, they'd have had no left backs for this yeah. game uh, on yeah. Wednesday night. Uh, so it's as well as no center backs, probably. Yeah, no center backs as well. <laughs> Upcoming games, uh, if you listen to this, you may well listen to this before or after, but Cavalry play Edmonton on Tuesday, Forge York on Wednesday, Pacific Valor on Wednesday as well. Games come thick and fast, everybody. Halifax on against York on Saturday, Pacific take on Edmonton on Saturday, Forge against Atletico Ottawa on Sunday. They will raise the banners as they celebrate back-to-back championships in 2019 and 2020 in front of their home fans again and cavalry take on valor on sunday in the come on match of the week uh guys let's do some rapid fire oh, by the way you can predict those at campl.ca slash predictor uh let's do some rapid fire before we finish which one of those games this week or in the weekend are you looking forward to the most you have seven games to select before we <laughs> next talk about these in the podcast marty I'm going to go with the El Clasico. It's tonight, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Mountain. If only just to tune in to see how the new field or the new lights at Echo Field look. Uh, they're, they're, it's going to it's going to be a lot brighter than most night games were in 2019. So I'm just excited mm-hmm. for that on TV. I'm just excited for night games. There's nothing bad. I love games <laughs> at night. Yeah. Love the motion. The great point. But I love the games at night with the lights and that's what you know. Nobody wants the summer to end. But as the as the summer comes to an end and the games are still going on later in the season, it's darker and the nights are on. Uh, love love football under the lights. Uh, Benedict. Yeah, I'm gonna go for on Sunday. Uh, Cavalry and Valor. I think that'll be a good game between two teams who are looking to stay hot and obviously come on match of the week for a reason. Good stuff, okay. uh, Marty. Oh, did you? Sorry, Brady. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to be at the grounds again on Saturday for, for Halifax Works. So selfishly, I think I kind of have to go with that one. Okay, mate. Soak it in. Uh, Charlie. <laughs> uh, I will go with the, the 905 Derby rematch on, on Wednesday yeah. with York coming back to Forge. That'll, that should be fun. Nice. All right. Some rapid fire questions. One CPL player this week you guarantee will score out of seven of those games. Which player you can guarantee will will score a goal in these games. Benedict. I'm not going to say his name, but the, the player who is signing today <laughs> uh, will score in his, in his first game. Against his a, former team. That is such a classic Benedict answer. It's amazing. Uh, and I love it. Charlie. Um, Tristan Borges. Okay. Brady. I think first home game for Cavalry. Keeps good against Pacific. Have one ruled out. I'm going to go with Anthony Novak. Uh, Marty. Eastern Angaro, of course. Nice. Okay. I'm going to go with Joe Mason. Nice. Uh, why not? Uh, Let's yeah. get Joe Mason right. getting getting some goals. Uh, and Sorry, Akeem Garcia. I thought you might come up, but you didn't. Uh, maybe you'll come up here. Uh, one CPL player, outfield player, who will play this week and you guarantee will not score. Let's do the opposite way. One player you will not guarantee will not score. And that way, if they do, we will all have a good laugh at you on next week's show. Uh, Marty. All right. Th- this is no knock on Akeem Garcia. This is more just to, so you guys can make fun of me next week. I'll say Akeem Garcia. Why not? I'll wow. put my neck on the line. Could have played. Going to go with a um. defender. I love it. <laughs> love it. Why not? Uh, Charlie. Um, is it cheating to just say, yeah, can I say Drew Becky? I don't think a center back is going to very likely to score for that team at the moment. Okay, good one. I think that's a good pick. Uh, Brady. Yeah, I'm not going to say Akeem Garcia because 
the kitchen will probably murder me on Saturday. So I'm going to go with Dom Samuel. If Akeem Garcia does score, I want features galore from you while you're out there on Akeem Garcia. I want to hear the 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 the, 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 the sleepless nights, the meditation, the, the 25 different minutes that he's been playing to and scoring the training. I want to hear all the stories when he gets his goal because they all have them. So let's uh, let's dig deep, my friend, and let's get a good story on him. I think it's coming, uh, Benedict. Yeah, Marty stole my answer, but uh, I'll go for Alex Ashinyodi Johnson. <laughs> oh. Good one. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Benedict, i got to turn to you again because you are just wearing this amazing headband. Uh, and uh, in the light of having some fun, I want to hear one Olympic event you think you would be half decent at with some training. What are you going to go with? Maybe like table tennis. That's something I feel like I could get decent at yeah. with, with some training. Fair enough. Table tennis. They do wear a lot of headbands too. I mean, I can see you at, at the table with your headband and some incredible rest power. Boom, boom, boom. Um, right. Uh, Marty, what about you? Uh, name one Olympic event you think you'd be half decent at with some training. Water polo? Okay. I can swim Water polo. pretty good. I think, yeah. I think, I think I'd think i be right at that. That's also a sport you just like to watch. I don't know if you guys have Olympic sports that you watch. You're like, oh, I can maybe try that. That's Charlie? one for me. Yeah. Um, you know, other than other than fencing, I was always good at the the middle distances and running. So, like the fifteen hundred, maybe. Nice, Brady. Any water sports? Considering you've been soaking in the action. No, I I actually have an irrational fear of the water, so I'm gonna go with um, canoeing because I think it would just be fight or flight. I think my instincts to survive would kick in, and I would just be flying. You were kind of canoeing on Monday, really, weren't you? Through the uh, border, there was some, yeah. There was, some, there was some shots at that point of drainage, and I'm like, how much water <laughs> is coming onto that pitch right now? Yeah. It was remarkable. All right, yeah. name one Olympic event you would be absolutely useless at, no matter how much training you put in. Uh, Benedict, I got to go to you again. I'm gonna say diving. I don't know, I'm a huge fan of heights, and there's no chance I'm, I'm jumping off like a 10 meter board all the way up there. It's not happening. I can see that. That's a great answer, Marty. <laughs> I'm going to say, we were watching it last night. I'm going to say long jump. I got really short legs and just watch those people. Like I, I would get nowhere, get no speed yeah. in the buildup and then wouldn't go, wouldn't go very that, far. That is a great answer to long jump. That is, I mean, that is an unbelievable talent. A high jump too. I don't know yeah. how people do that either. Um, Charlie. Yeah. Maybe in a similar vein, pole vault looks terrifying to me. I, I, I just wouldn't be able to, you know, actually commit to doing it. Cause I, it seems like the pole would break or you'd fall over and, hit your head on the ground it just looks awful to me yeah, so you, might you might be good at it you might be good at it you might give be it a try it. i've always i've always wondered how they train for it like how do, I, like, yeah. how do you actually start like you start with a tiny pole and then just keep moving up like <laughs> it, it just looks like so many points of it can go wrong i'm not i'm not about that brady last man for you last uh, last thought yeah anything anything in the pool is a no for me i think it's not boring <laughs> it makes me nervous so i'm gonna like, swimming not for me. Nice. Perfect. A, fit, a fitting end as we talk about water on the show uh, that Brady ends swimming in the pool uh, after his um, soaked uh, performance on Monday. I hope this week, mate, for your, for your sake, uh, that it doesn't rain. Um, but again, for our show, I hope it absolutely throws it down because we're going to have a lot more fun again uh, with you and you're your soaking in the events. Uh, boys, this has been a pleasure and fun. Seven games this week in the Canadian Premier League. We hope you enjoyed the matches. Thanks for joining us. We'll be with you next time.